0: Welcome to Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You, a podcast about everything you need to know about teens. I'm Kathy. And I'm Meredith. And we speak teenager. Uh, did we also mention that we're best friends? We've worked as admission officers, prep school administrators, and most importantly, have coached thousands of teens. In other words, we have seen it all. So join
1: us every week as we give you the lowdown on all the shit your teenager isn't telling you. Because trust us, there's a lot of it. And if you don't know what to do with the teenagers in your life, don't worry. We've got your back.
0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You. I am very excited because today I just got interviewed by Kathy, and now I am going to interview her. Yeah, yeah. We're going to learn all about Kathy Chen (laughs) The trials, the tribulations, the joys, the trials.
1: It's a roller coaster, people.
0: (laughs) Kathy's lived a life, my friends. I sure have. You really have, and it's great, and we're going to learn about it. Well, I mean, I know a lot about it, but (laughs) others. Others. You pretty
1: much know everything. You knew me when I was mm, more normal, which is good. I'm sorry. It's a good thing you didn't know me in my undergrad days. Good thing I'm a little bit older than you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we didn't really overlap. We didn't
0: overlap. And we probably wouldn't have overlapped.
1: Mm, Definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't run the same social circles, not hanging out with the Hellenes. Let's just say. The Hellenes were like, she's scary. (laughs) Is she a gangster? Don't let her come to our house.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She seems like she has weapons. Yes. (laughs) And she probably did.
1: (laughs) can you ask her not to smoke
0: in our house please thank you thank you so much thank you (laughs) all right kathy yes meredith so we're gonna we're gonna help the people learn about you learn about your work your background what makes you tick Mm. but before we do that just tell us about your upbringing oh well i was born
1: in taiwan so i am an immigrant i came to the u.s when i was three so The Chinese people call us ABCs,
0: Mm -hmm. American-born
1: Chinese, even though I'm not technically, I am put in that same category as ABC. And my dad came first. We actually immigrated through Alabama, (laughs) where all the Chinese people are. (laughs) Alabama. Good old Birmingham. A haven for... For the Chinese immigrants. Chinese immigrants, apparently. I think there was one. My dad had one friend there and he was like, let's go to Birmingham. And my mom is like, okay. So my dad came first. He was here for a year. And then my mom and I came when I was three. We lived in Birmingham, Alabama for like two years. Then my dad's like, no, let's really go where the Chinese people are. Then we went to Southern Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he had another friend there. Yeah. And so, again, still the only Chinese person for miles and miles. I actually had an ex-boyfriend ask me. He's like, Southern Illinois? He's like, did your fa-, like jokingly was like, did your family own the Chinese restaurant? And I was like, yes. In my fact, family. we did. Did own the Chinese restaurant in town. <laughs> that was my family. The House of Chen, people. Is that what it was? It was called the House of Chen. And, and it was. It was the House of Chen. <laughs> uh, so we had a restaurant there for another four years. And then we moved to California. And we were like, aha, Eureka! This is where all the Chinese yeah, immigrants are. So we were in the San Gabriel Valley. It's San much, Gabriel Valley is yeah, a good critical mass. Of- critical mass. Definitely asian immigrant enclave in southern california and i grew up there pretty much for until forever and then went to college at usc but i was a bad student i was not a lot of people look at me and they're like you're asian you must be a good girl listen to your parents and get straight a's definitely not definitely not man I know. It's so interesting. We have this like model minority, you know, it truly is a myth in my <laughs> In my life, I was a very naughty. I did not, didn't go to school, ditched a lot of classes, cheated a lot. Little- I mean, I was naughty. I was bad. But I also had parents who were working all the time. Mm-hmm. So the immigrant parents were working pretty much all the time. They were entrepreneurs. I did not have a lot of oversight mm-hmm. at home. And I kind of was like a little bit of a wild child. In some ways. I didn't completely go off the rails because I did manage to get into college. It was much easier to get into college when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like USC had an admit rate of like 80% in 1993. Mm-hmm. So I fogged up a mirror and they're like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> come on in. Come on in. Welcome. Welcome to USC. And actually I got into three colleges and I tell this to parents and they're like, oh my God. And I had a, maybe like a sub 3.0 GPA mm-hmm. when I graduated high school, mm-hmm. like a 2.8. And I did not complete pre-calculus. Like I didn't finish pre-calc. I was like, mm, I'll get an F second semester. That's fine. Right. <laughs> can I still graduate? Oh, okay. Good. Okay. Great. <laughs> oh, okay. Good. I can still graduate. Great. But I still got into with that F in pre-calc USC, NYU and Boston University. Wow. Yeah, I'm not even sure I wrote an essay for. My,
0: for my they probably didn't require them at that point. They
1: yeah. did. I remember. I think I sent in a song. <laughs> Oh, my God. No, I was that person. I was insane as a – I had no sense as a teenager. I thought I knew everything. I was like your stereotypical teenager. I was like, nobody can tell me my business. Yeah. I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. And look at me. Look how successful I am. I got into three colleges. I was not UC eligible, which I did not know because I went to a huge public high school, blah, blah, blah. I applied to UC. So I was like – got a letter. I was like, you're not UC eligible. I'm like, I'm not. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> What's that? What's that? Exactly. <laughs> We have to be eligible to go to the UCs? I had no effing clue. Went a huge public high school in the San Gabriel Valley, working class. I don't even know what percentage of kids went to college. I hung out with the peer group who were very high achieving and went to college and went to good colleges. So I was lucky, I think that was protected. That's for interesting,
0: me. yeah. Like it was
1: actually, I was like, oh, my friends are good, so I have to be a little bit good. I can't just like.
0: I can't wild out. <laughs> totally. <Exactly. laughs> just like 80%. Out, totally. Yeah.
1: So, anyways. That's how I was raised. <laughs> That's how I was raised. And there was some trauma in there along the way. My dad got in an accident when I was sixteen and was disabled permanently. I mean, it was bad things happening. Family friend got killed when I was fifteen, violently. You know, not good not things good. happening at an important developmental stage of my life, and not a lot of not a lot of parental support. Like my parents really were limited. Mm-hmm. I don't blame them. I think. They were raised the way they were raised, and, mm-hmm. you know, it took me a long time not to blame them. I don't blame them anymore. But I think they did the best they could with what they knew, and it wasn't enough for me as a kid. I needed more. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tale as old as time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're singing now. No, I never sing. <laughs> uh- so that that sort of leads me to my next question, which is how or in what ways, if any, and I suspect the answer is yes, do you, those formative experiences influence your decisions later to go into certain careers?
1: Yeah, it's so interesting. I started my career out in entertainment, in the industry, as they say, in LA. Yeah. And it was really easy to do that at a school like USC that was in... LA. Yeah. And a huge film school and lots of people interested in working in film in different, different ways, right? Not just being, making films, but publicity. Like, that's what I did when I came out of college. I was like, I want to be a publicist! <gasps> I want to hang out with celebrities. It's going to be so glamorous. And you did. I did it for a while and it was a shit job. It was awful. Working entertainment was really soul sucking. Mm. That's what I learned. People were very mean. Celebrities are not nice. A lot of them are not nice people. People who surround celebrities oftentimes don't treat people well. I mean, it's not universally true, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of meanness mm. and just like you're treated like Insignificantly, right? Like, you're just some assistant peon. Like, let me talk to somebody who actually matters. Yeah. There's a lot of that, and you're expendable because there's so many people who want to do it, right? So it's like, you don't want to work. We used to stay at my old company. I worked at this PR company. Every Friday, people got fired. Oh my God. Every Friday? Every Friday. I was like, ooh. Oh, I was like, who's going to get fired today? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like, really, it was so common on Friday. We'd see somebody like packing up their stuff and leaving. Yeah, because there's just so many people who want to do that job that it just, you are kind of expendable, right? That's really how it felt to me. And it was awful. Like, I remember having this, I would cry. I'd go home crying every night because mm. I was just, somebody had just been beating up on me all day. And i go home and i cry. I'd go, like, this is the worst job ever. Why would I doing this? And that's when I made a career change actually because i was like oh, i gotta do something different and yeah this is just like soul sucking it i'm not happy it doesn't feel meaningful i'm not doing something like i'm helping celebrities like promote their movie like what this is dumb <laughs> why am i doing this they don't need me to do this like this is ridiculous so I remember going home, and I was crying to my boyfriend at the time, and he was like, just quit your job. What are you doing? And he was very nice. He was like, I'm going to help support you fig- until you figure out what you want to do. And I was like, okay, great. So I actually took the best. I don't know if you know this about me. I was going to be a teacher. I don't know. Th- yeah. Whoa. No. Yeah, I was going to be a teacher. I was like, I'm going to be a teacher.
0: How dare you not tell me? <laughs>
1: How dare there be know, a fact about your life that I do not know. It's, it's it's really a small period of my life. I thought I was going to be a teacher. I took the CBEST, which is the accreditation test that you have to take to become a substitute. So mm-hmm. the way I was going to become a teacher, I had to sub first, get the mm-hmm. hours. Mm-hmm. Once I got the hours, I could become a teacher. And I was so disappointed by the CBEST. Like, it was such an easy test. And I was like, oh, man, this is not... <laughs> Bode well for education, like this test is so easy. And I actually got a substitute position. I didn't actually start subbing, I so like, I went through okay. the training, I did the fingerprinting, all that stuff. Yeah. So I went through the whole thing, yeah. And then I, I threw my I went to Annenberg at USC, the yeah. communication school. And they would, you know, this old listserv, they would send out job postings, and there was this job posting for the City of Los Angeles, mayor's office. Okay, scheduling assistant. And it paid, get ready, it paid like $52,000 a, a year. a Okay, y'all, this was a 1990, this was a 1999 maybe, 98, yeah. 90, yeah, around that time. And I was getting paid $26,000 yeah. right out of college, and which I thought was a freaking, like, windfall. Like, yeah. my friends were getting paid like 22, and I was like, 26, baby! <laughs> I'm rich. <laughs> totally. I may not need a roommate. <laughs> like, I was so excited. But this job, that and that is what, what I, I took this job. I knew the mayor was terming out. It was a two-year job. And I took the job and because it was $52,000 a year. Uh-huh. I was like, hell yeah, $52,000 a year. I'm going to be rich. So <laughs> I took that job. The woman who hired me was an Annaberg grad. Mm. She quit three months after I started. <laughs> and then they made me the director of scheduling <laughs> i was like what <laughs> after three months yes amazing they're like, okay they're like well marloff so you're the director you now." Feel, you seem fine well it's so funny i didn't even think about like asking for a raise i was just like okay
0: oh no yeah i
1: was so like you know again talking yeah. about needing coaches and mentors and yeah, totally, your life I totally had no freaking idea totally that i should ask for. you're a raise. just like happy you have
0: a job a hundred yeah. percent. I was
1: like, oh my God, they want me to be the director? What an honor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and somebody at some point was like, have you asked to get a raise? And I was like,
0: no. Sure. You can do, can do that?
1: You can do that? <laughs> and then the, and then I was getting paid $63,000 a year. <laughs> Holy shit. I really thought I was just like bankrolling so hard. You have no idea, Meredith. I was like 25, you I know? Had a
0: lot of money at it that, that time at for a 25-year-old. It felt
1: like so much money. And anyways, the mayor turned out, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, I'm at a crossroads. I was working for the the city attorney. So one of his deputy mayors became the city attorney. His chief of staff hired me to be his director of scheduling. And I'm like, bro, I can't schedule for the rest of my life.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that challenging.
1: And then I, and it was really funny, she is Lori's sister-in-law oh that's how do you know this connection yeah she's Lori's sister-in-law that's not how i found my way to usc oh i went back to Annenberg. i was like i think i want to work in academic advising yeah and they were like she was this woman was like you should talk to tim Brunold. i uh-huh. just met him and that's how i got my job at usc but when i was thinking about switching to usc and goes they treat you like shit there why would you do that <laughs> My sister in law works there. They don't pay you anything. <laughs> Which was not untrue. That's true. I was like sorry too. True. At that time.
0: Real. No dollars.
1: Oh, no dollars. So I my salary got cut in half. Yeah. Boom. But I was like, this job is yeah. gonna be amazing. And oh my god, I love that job so much. I met you there. Some of my
0: We had so much
1: fun. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. It it's really a special was time. I think. And it's such a great job, like an entry-level job. Totally. You learn, you get so much responsibility. You learn so much about just like how to work. <gasps> yes. You have to do so much and so many different things. You have to just, you get to manage so much stuff independently. Yeah. It's really empowering, I think. And it was an amazing first job. And for those of you who are like, what, what is my kid with the English degree going to do? Admissions. <laughs> um, <laughs> Degree for admissions, they'll take them. Yeah, and it's such a great job. You get to travel.
0: It's fun. Everybody's young. You make great friends. And like, let's be real. Like, what are our networks like? Like, think of every job you've had since, right? Totally, (laughs) totally.
1: It's, anyways. This is a long story, long, but the point is, I ended up at USC. OMG, changed my life. And from there, that's why I ended up at Menlo. Menlo was in my territory. Mm. It was in my territory. I heard they were hiring a college counselor. And I was like, I'm sick of traveling. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, it's actually long hours. Admissions, lots yeah. of weekend events, lots of nighttime events. And I'm like, I'm getting old. I'm 30. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's so true. I was like. I'm really, I'm going older. Totally. I was like, I'm 30 now. I need to have a more regular schedule. I'm going to work in schools. <laughs> so I'll be home by 430. Little did I know. Little did you know. Little, <laughs> Little did that's I not true. Know. But that's how I ended up at Menlo as a college counselor for years.
0: And what are the different roles you had at Menlo? I was a college counselor.
1: I was dean of students. I'm oh, not dean of students. I was dean of senior <laughs> class. And I was the dean of student life programs which is adjacent to the Dean of Students role, which was really in charge of all of the programming around wellness and social-emotional learning, and I taught sex ed, I taught social mm-hmm. justice, you know, yeah. classes like that. And after – I actually loved deaning, mm-hmm. which is odd, because as <laughs> as you know, it's actually hard to find people who want to be class deans it a is. lot of time. Yeah, yeah because yeah.
0: people are like, I don't want to deal because with that. Because people are afraid of children. I yeah. find that, like, faculty – don't want. Well, I think it's because you and I have a certain fluency with sort of SEL stuff. And a lot of people, if they're not trained that way, if they're not interested in that, that just feels like very overwhelming.
1: I get it. Yeah. It's actually hard, right? It's really it's hard. hard to fill that role a lot of
0: times and to yeah. fill it well. Yeah. I mean, try talking to like 15 year old boys about like throwing their trash away. <laughs> I would say like, you know, oh, what were you their penis. Saying? <laughs> oh, their penis. That too. <laughs> or like, where they ask you the, like, most hilarious, ridiculous questions. You know, the like a note card exercise. It's like, okay, if we're naked and then this happens. You're we're like talking about um, sex ed class. Sure, I could, I could bust out some of those cards and make oh, you laugh so
1: hard. I have them, so I kept all of them. They're
0: hilarious. We've both taught sex ed, so we have it's a lot highly of. highly entertaining. Highly entertaining. And important. Yeah. Well, and then I left Menlo. I actually went to grad school. Yep,
1: you sure did. Because I was like. I love deaning so much. I think I want to do more student lifey type things. And I didn't know exactly what so I went to I applied to one program because I was like, I'm old, first of all. <laughs> I was thirty eight when I applied to grad school. And I was the second I was the oldest person in my program. Mm. I wasn't the second oldest. I, I was the oldest person in my program. And it was in a program, it was prevention science Mm -hmm. and practice, which nobody knows what that is. And I barely knew when I went, but it's understanding adolescent development and creating, developing interventions that support healthy development. Mm -hmm. And I did that. And I worked at the one public high school in Cambridge that one year and just got like exposed to a whole different community of kids and way of being an educator. It was great. And I got a year off of working and it was awesome. And then Menlo, for some reason, hired me back in a different role. Yeah. Which is the Dean of Student Life Programs. And I just saw our head of school. Did you meet John? When yeah, you yeah, did. <laughs> John. So I was like, "Poor John." Did you know? You, why did you invite Kathy back? Kathy Jim back to campus because I went on campus and I was on a tear. I was like, "This is we need to change this. How are you doing this?" Like all the systems and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need to dedicate time to this thing and that thing. And I was like a bulldog about some things. And same as you, I got frustrated. It's really frustrating because in these schools, it's really hard to push for. Programming that isn't related to academics—it's about well-being, it's about development, it's about being a good human, right. which is so important. Right. But it's really hard in schools that where kids take four APs or whatever, yeah. and they're yeah. like, "I need to do my AP physics homework." Like, why do we have advocacy today? Like, can we just study during advocacy mm-hmm. or advisory? I'm like, so I got tired of that, and then I started my own business. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: Well, you're also very entrepreneurial. <laughs> I go to Kathy for all my entrepreneurial <laughs> advice, all my business advice, and well, my life advice.
1: Well, anyways, I
0: was well, sick of stuff, so I was like, I'm doing this. So talk talk to us more about the genesis of Village. And because of your background, you could have very easily started traditional kind of college counseling mm. outfit where you – and you're based in Silicon Valley. You could have easily, to be competitive, you know, been charging insane amounts of money for like – one senior year package, right? Yeah. But Village has a very specific mission and purpose. And so talk to the people about kind of your, your thought process around that and what kind of led to the formation of Village and sort of its current identity.
1: Well, I wanted to be values aligned for myself. I wanted to do something that I could feel good about. Mm-hmm. And I just reflected on my best moments in schools. What are mm. like the best about working in schools, and it was always developing deep, caring relationships mm-hmm. with students. Being a mentor, being an advisor, being a sounding board, being somebody just a cheerleader. You know, yeah, that was yeah, hands down the most rewarding thing about working in schools. Yeah, and the nonsense of dealing like it was a year. You remember this year where I was dealing with boys who were really senior boys who were really <sighs> badly behaved and treated. Adults on the campus badly, myself included. Yeah. I was just like, y'all ain't paying me enough for this. (laughs) Like, I don't want to be a punching bag for 17-year-old kids. Mm -hmm. No, thank you. And I just really, like, thought deeply about what I wanted. And I I wanted to help kids who wanted to be helped, right? Like, kids who need it and kids who want it and are open to it, being that person for them Mm -hmm. who will help them get through the hard part one of the hardest parts of life which is adolescence it's a confusing scary time no matter what kids act like like inside they're all kind of like
0: hey. <laughs> That's- you can't you can't see her face but like half of her face went one direction <laughs> one third went up another went down that's impressive.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, there's it's just like a, it's a hard time in life and adults can play a really important role, like you were saying in your interview, but yeah, I just wanted to do that. And I honestly, I was like, are people going to pay me to do this? Like in my mind, I was like, teenage life coach. That's what I want to be. Yeah. I want a life coach for teenagers. And that's how Village came about. I was like, I want to help make good humans. I want to help raise kids who aren't going to have midlife crises and wonder how they wasted their life doing X, Y, Z. Like I wanted them to be more fulfilled, to Mm -hmm. be more confident, to do good in the world, to feel good about themselves, right? Like that's all that stuff. And so much of it, like you, you know, stems from not feeling that way as a kid. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, I didn't feel that way as a kid. I could have used that. There were people in my life, some adults in my life who played a bit of that role for me. And we just know so much more now. So I think even yeah. the adults then totally. couldn't have supported totally. us in the same ways because they just, the things that we know about development the or lexicon adolescence. has changed, yeah. Yeah, and, and just what te- teenagers are experiencing now is very different than what we experienced That's growing true. up. That's true. So I wanted to do that, and I, I combined my background in college counseling and I thought there's a better way to do college counseling. I'm Mm -hmm. sick of people talking about like our secret to getting you into a top five school. We'll guarantee you admission to your top choice. That shit bugs the hell out of me in case you don't know. I've said this on this podcast a bazillion times. I hate that because I think it is unethical. And it just drives me insane that there's companies yeah. who make these claims that are pretty much unbackable by research, even though they say it's backable. Yeah. And I, I challenge you to a duel. Um, <laughs> I challenge you to a duel. That's how strongly I feel about it. Get your pistol and your man.
0: Glove <laughs> <laughs> slapped across your face. Exactly. Oh my god. <laughs> it makes me mad. Is that the title of this episode? <laughs> yes. Kathy challenges you to a duel. To I challenge you to a
1: duel. And so <laughs> I wanted something different for kids. I wanted to go through this call. I wanted to help them through a the college process. I mean, not every kid works with us for college process, but the ones who do, it's not about outcomes. And if you are an outcomes-based parent, you're not gonna work with us. If yeah. you're a values-based parent, you might think about it. Because yeah. we're about helping kids. Deeply understand themselves or understand themselves better and their impact. Yeah. And who they want to show up as in this world, not who they think they need to show up in this world. Right. It's just very different. And it's hard.
0: Very this different.
1: World that we live in.
0: It's very hard. I think there's so much about the way we approach kids and the work and the philosophy of village that's quite counterculture. It is. But important, right? Um, I, I will remember, I, I will never forget. The day I think you called me, I don't think it was that day. It was like a couple days after. And you said kids had made you cry? Yes. First of all, for those of you listening, you cannot make Kathy Chen cry. <laughs> That's, I was like, who? Who made you cry? Children?
1: <laughs> yeah, they were so mean. How dare they? I know. I then went to their class meeting. And made them and cry? And made them cry. Because I cried in front of them and I told them how badly they made me feel.
0: That took a lot of courage. And they were like, oh, my God, we're making Kathy cry. <laughs> and they were so embarrassed. Empathy, friends. Empathy. Modeling empathy and compassion. Yeah. So now that you have your own business and you've sort of worked with teenagers in this variety of capacities, what do you enjoy the most about the work? And it could be with teenagers or families. And what do you enjoy the least? Yeah.
1: Lord. <laughs> 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 you had to throw a zinger in there what do i enjoy the most i enjoy watching kids you know the great thing about village is we get to work with kids a lot of times like when they're young mm-hmm. so i have my little seventh grader which i've talked about a million times before but i have a student who started with village in our first year so five years ago as was a seventh grader
0: dang five years
1: yeah it's five oh. years and she's a 12th grader now she's senior she's about to graduate and that is by far like that kind of that kind of like growth yeah. you get to see and you're like, hopefully you're like, I hope I some of the stuff that I'm seeing now, like, I hope I planted some of those seeds. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I think I think I maybe helped make that happen. Like some just watching kids who are so struggling with just who they are, what they believe in, their value, right? Mm-hmm. Grow into young young adults who are more confident. Like, I wouldn't say she's just, like, out there taking names, but she's so much more confident. She's making a difference in her community. She knows what she values. She is authentic. Like, there's, you know, the, you see these things about these kids, and you're just like, oh my god, amazing. Thank mm-hmm. god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is happening! You're doing it! You're growing up! You're growing up! So watching the kids grow up and do amazing things. And it's not like they're perfect, right? There's also times where you're like, girl, (laughs) how many times do I have to tell you this? I'm going to tell you one more time. I'm going to tell you right now. So it's not like a, a perfect upward trajectory. But overall, the trajectory is upwards. And you're seeing that kids are thriving. Yeah. And that they're doing the things and they're putting one foot in front of another. And there's a lot of kids that we work with who are really struggling. Right? We're not just working with super high-achieving kids That's right. who are just like knocking out of the park. Those kids don't really need us, to be honest.
0: Yeah, we don't get too many of those.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you know what? They're the easiest kids to work with they because are. they've got their shit together. Yeah. And I mean, like we have some, but ghost. a lot of what
0: we work with are kids who are going through stuff.
1: Yeah. And really, or even if they're high achieving in terms of like grades and activities, right. they're very anxious. They're, right. They're worried about X, Y, Z. They're overthinkers. They're perfectionists. Like they're, they've got other things that they're, they need yeah. help and support with. So I think watching the change happen, that's by far the best part. And just like the silly conversations that we have totally. with kids. Like they're so fun. hilarious. fun. <laughs> so fun. It's always the best. I could be like grouchy and be like, totally. Oh God, I have to coach right now. Cause you're not in the mood to coach. You're like, oh God, you're like, I'm not in a good mood. And then, but you get on the phone with the kid and all of a sudden you're just like, Hey, you're like, and they're so happy to see you. And they tell you about your day and you're like, you're ridiculous. Okay, fine. Let's talk about this. (laughs) And then your day is great because you're doing the thing that you love. You're helping kids. And I think the thing that I like the least about running a business is running a business. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think the parents are actually easier in some ways because oh,
0: our parents are lovely. Yeah,
1: I th- they are lovely, and it's it's different in schools because in schools you get assigned a teacher, you get assigned a counselor. Right, it's like right. I didn't get to pick you. Right. So I think the fact that they're so much more bought in and yeah. they listen to us more because they picked us. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the parents are actually much better. Running the business part is not, and it's hard to watch kids who are struggling continue to struggle, Mm-hmm. who are profoundly depressed. It's painful. It, it, it's really hard. And I think that one of the things you learn, I think as a coach, educator, teacher, somebody in schools, it's the same lesson that parents need to learn is that you can't actually affect every single outcome, right? Like, right. You wonder like, oh my God, is, was it my coaching?
0: <laughs> totally. <laughs> like, why
1: aren't you less depressed now? Right? Like, totally. But it's, kids are on their own journey and we can do what we can to support and love and do all the, the things mm-hmm. to help them grow, but they're on their own path. They're their own humans. And not to take that personally, I think is a lesson that's been hard earned over time. Well, it's because you
0: care so much.
1: Uh, for sure. Right? It's, and it's hard for me. I mean, yeah, it's It's like I, I imagine for parents it's like to the nth degree of that that they experience when their kids totally. are struggling.
0: Totally. Because
1: I feel it as a coach. If a kid that I'm working with is like really struggling, I'm like, oh, no.
0: And they're still struggling. They're still struggling, yeah. right? It's like yeah. being able to let that go. That's hard. It is hard. It is hard. One of the things that's so great, though, is we have this sort of community of support. You know, like what parents don't, I mean, they don't think what people see is behind the scenes. You and I, or and other coaches at Village, are like, okay, this is what I'm doing. Like, this is what I'm trying. Like, the, the sort of brain trust is really cool.
1: And support, yeah.
0: Yeah, you need it. We have been remiss in our podcast the last <laughs> season, maybe season and a half. We've not talked about food.
1: Ooh, girl. Yeah. You know, I don't know, I could talk about food for hours.
0: So tell people when you're not coaching and changing, you know, molding young minds into being good citizens of the world. You love to cook. Mm-hmm. Kathy just threw a holiday party where it was like the most legit spread you've ever seen in your <laughs> life. It was ridiculous. And I did not. You know what I was so mad about? I what? left and I didn't take any food with me. Oh, that was silly because there was so much left. There was so dumb. That was dumb. <laughs> tell us about your life outside of work. What do you like to do? Oh, my life outside
1: of work. Well, I like I like to do yoga a lot. I like to Mm -hmm. dance. So I I try to do that every week, dance and do yoga. And I unlocked a new yoga pose the other day. Grasshopper. I'll show you. I'll show you later. Oh dear. It's called Grasshopper. It's a really hard pose, it's an advanced pose. And I felt like a freaking superstar, dude, you don't even know. And I was like, damn, nobody's here to see (laughs) (laughs) it. Who can I
0: show? Where are my friends? (laughs) Was at home or in class?
1: In class. Oh. In class. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm doing it. so hard. Anyways, I can do headstands now. You know, I'm very excited. We did a tripod today in class, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. So now that I have this more, much more flexible yeah. work schedule, I'm able to prioritize my health, which has really changed my life. Really. I feel yeah. so much better that I'm able to do that. I got my doggies. got my old... My old cat, my old toothless cat, and my partner, Aiden, who I love, and who's at home watching all of our dogs right now, including Meredith. (laughs) Thank you, Aiden. So we can record this podcast. (laughs) And there's a lot of food and cooking and entertaining and socializing with friends and travel and oftentimes all of those things with Meredith. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. I just feel so lucky. I feel like, I feel so lucky for so many reasons. One of the reasons is I get to do what I love with people I love. Meredith. She's pointing at me. (laughs) Being chief. I'm getting pointed at. And it's, you know, having a business that people, like I was looking at this job posting. I got, I got spammed on LinkedIn. Mm. They're like, do you want to work for us? And I'm like, no. But they were like, Our company started with five people. Now there's 500 of us. And I was like, you know, when I get posted, I'm like, damn, I want five. No, I don't. I don't actually want 500 of us. Right. (laughs) But, you know, you have that moment where you're like, 500 employees. And I was like, girl, you do not want 500 employees. (laughs) That is not what you're trying to do. I think we'll always be a boutique type of service. And I think, you know, just having made peace with that, it's actually made my life a lot better. Like, it's like, oh, I can just focus on all the things and the balance that I want in my life. That was one of the things leaving schools. That was huge for me. I was like, my life is not balanced. I am at school constantly. Yeah. I am chaperoning. I'm going to this kid's dance recital. I'm like, good Lord. Like, I just can't. It just doesn't feel balanced. Yeah. And I do have so much more balance now. And I'm so grateful because, you know, I'm not doing it by myself either. Yeah. Like, Meredith, like, what a gift. You're so sweet. The gift that keeps on giving people.
0: <laughs> Truly. Well, a that gift. feeling is mutual. A treasure. My, oh my god.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna start singing, but I won't. Because I know we're running out of time. Go ahead. Sing. <laughs> sing for the people. What a gem. What a pearl. <laughs> From?
0: From Les Mis. Oh god. <laughs> um, well, that's a perfect <laughs> no, like it wouldn't be a complete interview of you if it didn't include song singing. at some point. I forgot you didn't mention your love of karaoke.
1: I didn't mention my. Uh, and if you ask my, ask me the question about like what would I be doing if I wasn't doing Village in a, like a in, a in like an alternate universe? Yeah, in like a,
0: you'd run karaoke bars. <laughs> no, I
1: might. That's that's in the real universe. Let's yeah. be clear. Okay, <laughs> that's like within the realm of possibilities. Still, we're talking in the multiverse. Okay. Right, Like there's some version of Kathy out there who is a Broadway star. <laughs> yes. At 100%. That's true. 100%. Wait, Broadway <laughs> star or like pop star? Broadway. I don't want to be that famous.
0: Just a that's little famous. That's
1: too much fame. Okay. Leah Salonga style. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like just famous enough.
0: Not Taylor Swift style.
1: Oh, hell no. That's too much famous.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of famous. That makes
1: you crazy. Broadway stars, totally acceptable. Okay. Okay. Good to Lapone. you know? Yeah, that kind That's pretty of. pretty famous. Just pretty famous, but it's not so famous. It's not Taylor Swift's famous. You know what I'm saying? It's a different. That's
0: so famous as to require like
1: bodyguards, twenty four seven. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, surveillance yeah. on your whole. You know. No, yeah. I don't need that. Okay. A girl in another world. You never know. <laughs> it's not too late, Broadway. Will you take me at sixty? <laughs> I can still kick. Why and 60? Dance like, and sixty? Like sixty far away. Why not sooner? To village for at
0: least another ten years. Do oh, come God. on, okay. Okay. <laughs> got it. Okay. um Well, thanks everybody for listening. I hope this was fun. Well, it was fun. fun for us. Yeah. I love learning about you, and I learned things about you I didn't know. Did you? I did. Oh, good. I love that. I did. Because I feel like we know everything. And I mostly other. just like holding forth and listening to you talk about things. Because I go to Kathy. To be clear, <laughs> Kathy is my personal coach <gasps> on almost Same. every part of my life. It's true. I think we are each other's coaches. Yeah. Yeah. I there's a lot of to. there's a lot of conversation. I don't know that I provide you much coaching.
1: You you have and I have not needed as much recently, which thankfully, yeah.
0: <laughs> I on the other hand
1: <laughs> have been really
0: <laughs> dialing it up.
1: I haven't needed much recently, but in years past I have certainly <laughs> called upon your services undoubtedly.
0: All right, friends, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. See you soon.